Hi, my name is Satvik Srinivas, and this is Arnav Rastogi. And together we are co-hosts of the Backfield Rift. Thank you for tuning in. In this episode, we're going to take a look at what was a wild, wild week one. As usual, you know, nothing ever goes as expected on week one. Nothing ever goes as expected on any NFL Sunday for that matter. But let's dive right into this one. I know, I know many fan bases went through every single emotion of watching football, every stage of a heart attack on Sunday and Monday. But overall, I think we saw that there's two complete teams in the NFL, and that is the Bills and Chiefs. They're they're bounds above everyone else. Right. But for everyone else, I think one message remains clear that a lot of the teams are adjusting with all the new players they have, right? This is not Madden. You can't just sign someone in free agency or trade for someone and boom, they're leading you to a Super Bowl. Right. In the NFL, there is an adjustment period, and that's really what is leading to such sloppy play of football and, and all these close games where we really came into week one thinking there's no way this is going to be close, and boom, you're seeing multiple one-point, three-point games where you know even between two teams where there's a serious talent difference. Right, yeah. You know, you talk about teams with serious talent difference. Colts-Texans. Yeah. You know, what, what, what happened? Somebody explain that to me. <laughs> like. I, I can't even explain. The Colts simply, like, you get the ball, and it's just there's no ability to push the ball downfield or drive downfield. I don't think the Colts put together a complete drive until late in the third quarter. It, it, it really felt like there was no urgency on the Colts' offense. And on top of that, but the play calling was very questionable. I don't know, man. It's it, it just reflects that it's going to take time for Matt Ryan to get acclimated with that offense, acclimated with finding guys like Michael Pittman and developing that chemistry. And I think another thing is he's moving from an offense where he was the focal point in Atlanta, where he was tasked that, okay, you're, you're going to have to throw like 40 times a game to now an offense that is extremely run heavy. And Matt Ryan only has like 10 to 20 passes that he has to throw in a game. And he needs to be, extremely accurate on each and every one of those to move the chains so there's a stylistic difference that matt ryan's getting acclimated to i think that's what really led to the tie although i do think this is somewhat of a fluke i think i think you know the colts will get moving as the season progresses because boy oh boy do they have talent on both sides of the ball very questionable week one it, it left viewers with a lot of questions in my opinion yeah right and it's an interesting point you bring up right Matt Ryan is not the focal point of this offense, right? And and we saw that – I know this game went into overtime, so the stats are a little inflated too, but he was throwing the ball like 40-plus something times this game. But when they started actually having success and coming back was when they did go back to their identity as a team. Jonathan Taylor still has it, right? You have the offensive line, and that's what was bringing them success. And I think that's a huge theme we're going to see in the first four weeks, six weeks – these teams are going to have to find their identity and figure out, you know, who they are in order to get the most success out of these games. I mean, Savik, you know that best. The Eagles went through that struggle late last year with Nick Sirianni. Right. Um, but, you know, in terms of finding your identity, I think, I think my Saints perfectly symbolize that with Jameis, you know, one of the most bipolar athletes ever. And really, first three quarters, there was no effort to push the ball downfield. They were just 
forcing things left and right. But when his receivers and Jameis got in a groove, right, especially after a one-year absence, it takes time. When you get on back on the football field, find your receivers, get in the move, get in the chemistry. So in the fourth quarter, he exploded for 212 yards, finding receivers left and right. He was pushing the ball downfield, right? So it's all about teams finding their identity. And once they find that, we're seeing some teams succeed with it. Colts, unfortunately, we're hoping for something better than the Thai Saints. One off of a game-winning blocked field goal. But throughout the league, this is, it's a common thing. Right. And you brought up my Eagles. I guess the identity is run the ball, run the ball, keep running the ball. But we're talking about a Detroit Lions defense that was clearly not doing enough. You know, the Eagles, we really had two plays, man. There was two plays. One, yeah, throw the ball at Adrian Brown. <laughs> two, Jalen Hurst takes off running. And fine, that worked against this Detroit defense that was clearly not getting the pattern that Jalen Hurst was going to run. And he's just never going to you know, sit in the pocket, be a pocket passer. But if we want to have success against the better defenses in this league, Jalen Hurts has to be able to go from read one, two to three and push the ball down the field. What, what he was doing essentially was looking at read one. And if it wasn't there, he was taking off. And right. it's just not going to win football games for a long time. Once again, you know, it's an acclimation period, right? Jalen Hurts now has a wealth of weapons and, I don't know. I don't know if you would agree with this, but he really doesn't know what to do with it right now, or he doesn't know how to utilize it properly, right? right. He's too hyper focused on AJ Brown, where he's like, okay, you know, maybe Devonta Smith is open on a little post route, right? He's too focused on AJ Browner, and it, it's really taken away from what Devonta Smith can do. Sometimes what Dallas Goddard can do, right? I don't know if you would agree with that, but I, that's that that's what I got from what the Eagles' offense was doing on Sunday. Right. No, that is a good point. You know, because. Having weapons and being able to use your weapons are not the same thing. And definitely it's going to take time for Jalen Hurts to get accustomed to it. But if we don't see growth, it's just not going to work. And that's the point. Another quarterback that really needs to grow. Another quarterback that really needs to grow and grow fast. Trey Lance down in San Francisco because his debut, I mean, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. The weather was not the best, but regardless of that, it was pathetic to be honest. Yeah. And, you know, look, we all just have to like take this with a grain of salt, right? This is really his first, like first quote unquote, like real start here. Horrible environmental conditions for this game. Yeah, it was. (laughs) Right. Like, and I'm just, I'm just not going to take this one game and, start to panic with Trey Lance because there was definitely good things to take away from this game. But again, man, it's, it's what we've been talking about, right? It's all about growth. You know, you talk about a guy like Josh Allen who's tearing the league up right now, three, four years ago, this is not the same Josh Allen. I I don't know if you remember the Houston Texans Buffalo Bills playoff game. I was screaming at my television because this man, Josh Allen had no idea what he was doing and he was just an an athlete, but he didn't know how to play the quarterback position. And Trey Lance is in that same ship right now where he's a phenomenal athlete, but he has to learn the ins and outs of this quarterback position. And with Kyle Shanahan there, I'm going to give him the benefit of doubt. I'm going to, I'm going to give him time to figure this out. Cause I have a lot of confidence in Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, no, he, he is going to be a project nevertheless. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of points where we're like, yeah, the 49ers should have drafted him third overall. Oh my God, what a throw or, 
rolling out of the pocket. Oh my God, not many quarterbacks can do that other than Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or someone like that. But there's also going to be moments where people are like, why did they draft him third overall? That was such a stupid decision, right? So your Niners fans are going to go through the emotions of all of that. And I think Kyle Shanahan and the coaching staff are just going to have to bear through the struggles of when my opinion is really now a second year quarterback who is just thrown into the mix and just handed the keys and like, you got it. Right. And I wouldn't even call him like, I, I, it's similar to the Jalen Hurts, right? Like this is really, um, this I would call Jalen Hurts is like second year, really. And this is like trailing yeah. first year. That's how I would view it. Mm. So they got I can time. see that for sure. Um, before Another, we move on. Oh, wait. Yeah. yeah go ahead. I, I, I'm sure. All right. I, a game we really have to bring up if we're going to talk about the sloppiness of week one Cincinnati, Pittsburgh. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And and the audacity of people to say that Joe Burrow is a better quarterback than Justin Herbert is still baffles me after his performance week one. All right. Um, I'm not going to go there right now. I'll, let's, let's table the Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow uh, debate aside, but let, let's just, let's just dive into what happened in this game, right? By no means is the Bengals offensive line problem solved. <laughs> it is not solved. By no means. I mean, I was watching the game with the Bengals fan and I asked him, you know, with a completely honest mind, I'm like, where are the additions? Because the Steelers left and right were getting pressure. Right. Joe Burrow was scrambling for life the same as last season, if not more, in my opinion. It, it was it was honestly a complete disaster. And, you know, fine, we can cut the Bengals the benefit of the doubt. We can cut the Bengals some slack and say this is the first game of that entire offensive line, a newly rebuilt offensive line is playing. But all I'll say is they better pick it up fast until Joe Burrow ends up with another ACL injury. Right. Yeah. Let's let's knock on the wood here, but yeah, I, I guess let's take it with the fact that this is your I guess annual Week One Pittsburgh Steelers defensive showcase. <laughs> but, <laughs> but here's the thing, right? The only reason this game was so close, and and we're not even talking about all the kick, the field goal crap that happened at the end of the game. Like, if if the Steelers had a potent offense, this would have been done. This would have this would have been your Thursday night matchup, right? The Steelers would be would have been somewhere at like thirty something points, and the Bengals would still be at seven. It's just the fact that the Steelers couldn't capitalize on all these Bengals offensive mistakes. But with that said, I did talk about the kicking woes. Like, let's let's just mm. take a moment to breakdown what happened here end of the game Bengals score a touchdown with no time remaining yeah the, and then you you have a backup long snapper and high snap it gets blocked all right that's one now we're in overtime the second kick high snap again and then wide left okay because the ball doesn't get uh positioned properly for an experience and then after that, okay, we're like, all right, this is Chris Boswell, right? He's gonna make this. No, it, it's the upright, and then the fourth field goal he makes this. That's week one for you. That's what week one. <laughs> hey, someone needs. They need Cade York. They need Cade yeah. York. Four for four, game winner. They need Cade York up in there. Cade York is the truth for Cleveland. He is the truth. He's an annual kicker that somehow goes from nowhere to absolutely the best kicker in the league. And that's going to be Cade York this year. Yeah, I mean, since you brought that up, how did you feel about Baker, his uh, week one endeavors? The same way I felt about Carson Wentz. The team's got the full experience of that quarterback, the random 75-yard touchdown that he had to Robbie Anderson. 
Um, and just the boneheaded plays, the boneheaded picks. Right. I'm I'm sure I'm sure you felt the same way about Carson right. Wentz down in Washington. Right. Great play to Terry McLaurin and then Kayla's interceptions. Right. So both, both both quarterbacks, new teams, same thing in my opinion. Right. I'm I'm trying I'm trying to think of a quote here that's uh I, it doesn't come to my mind, but it's kind of the idea of like uh some things never change, you know. <laughs> yeah. And and places thing, places you know, can change, but the person doesn't. Yeah. I was I was just watching NFL. The NFL Sunday this, and I, I was starting to feel a little old, man. I'm looking at these guys. They're talking about uh, Carson Wentz entering his seventh NFL season. Like, yeah, yeah man, he just get drafted like a little while ago. <laughs> They're getting old. Um, uh, before we move on to week two, we have to talk about Monday night and what went down Monday night because, wow, I, I wasn't expecting Russell Wilson to be. I guess he didn't play poor, but I expect him to be a little more authoritative of that offense and for to for the game to be a little more lopsided in the Broncos' favor. But, man, Chino put on a show. Yeah. And I think there's some a, a bit of nuance here that we should really tackle, right? And when you talk about a quarterback putting on a show, we're talking about 350 yards, four TDs. But that's not even what Seattle needed, right? Seattle, Seattle needed – that general you know quarterback on the field running the show complete complete control of the offense there was not a moment where you saw Gino and you thought to yourself this is the first time he is the starter for this team he looked like he'd been a veteran in there running this offense for like eight years that's what he looked like and you talked about Russell Wilson there's the notion here not even the notion maybe it's I don't know how you feel about it maybe it's true Gino outplayed Russell Wilson would you agree to that I think it depends on the context. What the Broncos needed out of Russell and what the Seahawks needed out of Geno. Geno fulfilled what the Seahawks needed out of him. Right. I don't think Russell Wilson did that. So in that respect, when we're comparing what the teams needed out of their quarterbacks to do to win, Geno outperformed Russell. Actually, that's a, that's a phenomenal way of putting it. I, I really like that. And with the Broncos, right? I don't want anyone to freak out right now because – this we've seen this before, and it, it feels like it's crazy, but we've seen it, right? Yeah. Let's let's talk about the Tampa the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the year they won the Super Bowl. Right. That acclimation period, it took like twelve weeks before they figured it out and started winning, yeah. like consistent football games. So just because week one isn't what you expect, there's there's no reason to push the panic button. But it's just a reality. It's not going to look pretty right off the bat. It's going to take time. Right. You know, it's continuity. I talked a lot about that last episode. The Broncos, Colts, teams with new quarterbacks are currently suffering from that, and it's just going to take time. And I will also say this. Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, y'all can't fumble at the goal line. <laughs> I just Same can't do that. that. Oh, that's fair. Just can't. Can't do it, man. If you're just trying to win a game, man, and you get that one-yard line, you fumble. That's just unacceptable. All right. Looking ahead to week two, we have, once again, an exciting AFC West matchup. The Chargers head up to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. Sotvik, what do you see here? All right. This is going to be a very telling about who is kind of – all right, I'm not, I'm not, 
<laughs> I have no idea what I was going to say. What do mm-hmm. I see? Honestly, I don't know, dude. I just I see a very good football game on Thursday night. I'm happy about that to start with. But <laughs> just the Chargers defense, man, that, that's going to be the key, right? You can't let Patrick Mahomes have his way with you. You know, the Cardinals defense didn't put up any sort of any sort of fight, right? The, the Chiefs had anything they wanted in that game. And I think it's not going to be the same with the Chargers here. You have Khalil Mack. You have Joey Bosa. You're going to get immense pressure. And the story of the game is really going to be, at the end of the game, who is going to be able to win that matchup? Chiefs offensive line, Chargers defensive line. And if you can control Patrick Mahomes, you have a really good shot at winning this game. Any game picks? I'm a, I'm a... I'm gonna let I'm gonna hear what you have to say, and then you don't you don't have to give your pick. I just want to hear your uh, point of view on. The I, game. I I I'm just gonna reiterate everything you said, and I, I'd also add that the really the key matchup here is Derwin James versus Travis Kelsey, because we saw Travis Kelsey go one on one with Isaiah Simmons. Uh, the Cardinals they really love Isaiah Simmons, and they've used him to cover tight ends. And Isaiah Simmons got exposed by Travis Kelsey. Like Kelsey was flying all over the place. Um, and, and I think that's the key matchup is can you contain Travis Kelsey, limit Patrick Mahomes' reads, and then, you know, force him to become a pocket passer and get pressure on him. For me, I just think the Chiefs at home have the upper hand. It's going to be a close one. It's going to be one of those games where the team who has the ball last is really going to be set up to in a position who's going to win. But at home, I'm just going to take the Chiefs. Right. I'm going to take the Chiefs as well, but I'm going to add one more part to it, right? I'm pretty sure uh, – I'm just – I'm reading here. It says it's not looking great that Keenan Allen plays on Thursday night because he got mm. a little banged up. This is the added factor of that. I just don't feel very comfortable because that's a big part of their offense too. So right. I'll go with the um, Chiefs. But I would not be surprised at all if the Chargers found, find a way to win this game. No, no. And he- Really, the AFC West is just up for grabs. No one knows what's going to happen. Moving down to the Bayou, uh, we have our first of two matchups between the Saints and the Bucks. And the perennial question that always comes up or has been coming up for the past two years, can the Buccaneers finally beat the Saints in the regular season? And if you ask me, the answer is hell no. (laughs) Uh, I just think the Saints match up too perfectly with the Buccaneers. And offensively, I understand that there may be concerns around Jameis, but if he executes the way he did in the fourth quarter, where he was just, he was just, every read was perfect. He was getting the ball out quickly. He can really avoid that Buccaneers pass rush and he can move the ball downfield. Uh, One question mark would be Alvin Kamara's health. But then again, I would say to that, that Alvin Kamara was pretty much a non-factor against the Falcons. So I don't think it should matter too much about Alvin Kamara's health if Jameis is passing and throwing the ball down the field to his weapons the way he is. I think this is another Saints win. Right. I'm going with the Saints, too. I know that's not probably what you expected from me, but over the last couple of years, we've seen this time and time again. The Saints defense is going to be very uh, dominant in this game, I expect. And if you look at the Bucs uh, game against the Cowboys, they didn't do anything special, Right. Um, four field goals, I believe. You can really stop this offense. They were not effective in the red zone. And if you can just if you can keep the Bucks under like 24 points, something like that, the Saints can win this game. They have the offensive firepower. I believe Jameis can do it. He can get it done. We saw it at the end of the game. And yeah. 
I just, I don't think the Bucks are that menace, menacing team right now. At least not at this yeah. point in the season. They don't certainly don't look like it. All right, moving from my team to your team, Savic Vikings Eagles. I'll let you take the reins on this one. What do you see? Yeah, you know, with the Eagles, a lot of people are happy to see us put up thirty eight points, but we also gave up thirty five points, and that was against a pretty middle of the pack Detroit Lions offense. We've got in, we've got we've got Jettas coming in on Monday night. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for my DBs. I'm praying out here, but I, I don't feel confident whatsoever in the secondary to be able to handle Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, everything the Vikings are going to bring. But here's the one caveat to that. If our front four can get after Kirk Cousins, you know, he was sitting there pretty against Green Bay. Nobody was getting to him. He had all yeah. the time in the world on the road, right? It, Monday night, Monday night is not Kirk's best friend by any means. You're on the road in Philly. And if you start start getting to, getting to the quarterback, I think Kirk Cousins is going to struggle. And I want to pick my Eagles. Like, I want to pick them right now, but I'm not going to. Not because I don't believe, but here's a matter of the fact. The Vikings are the better football team. I don't think you could deny that. And there's – the Eagles haven't shown me anything by beating Detroit that they're this amazing football team that has improved all of a sudden from last year. So I'm picking the Vikings, but I am, I am shell shocked right now. I am, I am, I'm, I am befuddled right now. I I thought you were going to be home and picking the Eagles. I was going to pick the Vikings. I thought we were going to have a little argument here. I've been been burnt too many times being a homer. man. (laughs) No, I, I think it's very accurate. The way the Eagles let the Lions into the game was completely unacceptable by that defense. And if you're going to let those receivers get that wide open, just imagine what Thielen and Jefferson are going to do to you, right? It's not going to be pretty. I think this is the time where Kirk Cousins overcomes his Monday night football demons and puts together a very, very solid offensive game. Man, I, I would also add that the Eagles' rush defense did not look good. Mm. And... You know, they're DeAndre Swift. Now they got Dalvin Cook this week. Right. You don't think Kevin O'Connell's cooking something up? Right. Like it, yeah. it's going, it's going to get dangerous. And I also think that if what you said about the Eagles and Jalen Hurts, you know, he really only has two options: throw to AJ Brown or get on the run. I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's a recipe for success or sustained success, especially against top tier NFC teams. So right. I'm gonna have to go with the Vikings here. All right, moving on to upset of the week. You know, we both were very close last week. I picked the Falcons, who lost by one point, and you picked against my Eagles, who barely squeezed out a win against yeah. the Lions. So this week was looking dry, man. It was there's no it good is. options, it no is. good options at all. It is. Um, I'm gonna go with the Bears over the Packers in Lambeau. And while at first this seems absolutely ridiculous, I, I think when you look at the Bears' ability to rush the ball, whether it's David Montgomery or Khalil Herbert, I think they're able to control the clock very well or establish that they are able to do that. And the way that they just took advantage of the turnovers that the 49ers had and took advantage of the opportunities to put themselves ahead, I, I think that the Bears can do that to the Packers too. When you look at the amount of missed opportunities the Packers had against the Vikings, it was really their downfall. And when I'm looking at the Bears coming off a win, if they just replicate what they did against the Niners, I think they have a chance to come out of Lambo with a win. 
Yeah, no, they definitely do. The the only thing that's kind of looming over them here, you know, Sunday night at Lambeau, they got that yeah, feeling. I know right? it, it is prime time. It's prime time Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Right. But I don't know, man. The Packers are no longer this team where it's like, yeah, they're winning the NFC North. Yeah, they're just steamrolling over the competition. They're right. not as menacing as they once used to be. And Sunday night, I think Justin Fields has a chance to make a statement game. Right. I'm going to, you know, go with the Falcons again this week. I know I picked them last week. Very close. And they're playing at L.A. against the Rams. And, you know, theoretically, this should be your Rams bounce back game. You know, everything's all good with the Rams. Don't worry about it, L.A. fans. We're all good. But here's the truth, right? The Rams did not look good in their week one matchup. Again, Marcus Merida is not Josh Allen, but – I still think the Falcons can give the Rams a run for their money. They have a lot of weapons. Marcus Mariota gets running around. That could give this Rams defense trouble. And defensively for the Falcons, if you can just find a way to keep up with Cooper Cup, do your best to take him away. I know you can't take Cooper Cup away, but if you just make it tough on Matt Stafford, he throws a couple picks, you might be ahead of the ball game. That's, that's what it takes. Yeah. You know, you know what I've been realizing as common teams is that these teams that we thought were so talented and so over the top, they were just better than everyone else. It's not really the case anymore. Like the Rams looked human. Mm. They they really looked human. They did not look like this well put together championship contender. And I, I think there are some flaws that teams can expose. Same with, you know, even the Bucks, the Packers, a lot of these teams that we thought, oh my God, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Stafford, the teams, the rosters, it's really not the case anymore. Right. So it's going to be a fun week too. see if some teams can get on the right path, calm down their fan bases. (laughs) I pray for less drama. (laughs) Uh, You you can never get that with the NFL though. (laughs) For sure. All right. With that being said, thank you for listening to the 81st episode of the backfield rift. Be sure to tune in next week where we're going to recap all of the week two action and look ahead to another fantastic week three. Until then, it's been Arnav Rostogi and Sat Vichrinabas. Stay safe and take care.